You're listening to the Ottawa Real Estate Podcast with your hosts, Paul Stevenson, David Warren, and Greg Campbell. Let's see what's going on in the world of real estate today. And we are back. Hello and welcome to the Ottawa Real Estate Podcast, your premier destination for navigating the vibrant landscape of Ottawa's real estate market. I'm Paul Stevenson, your trusted mortgage agent level two. I'm thrilled to be your guide alongside the no longer dynamic duo of real estate expertise. Greg Campbell, who's not with us today, and David Warren, who's beside me, also a mortgage agent, level two. And we're here to bring you the, the newest, latest, the greatest in Ottawa's real estate market. We're also joined by some amazing guests today. So being our year-end show, we wanted to kind of give an expose to some other, some other experts in the field. So we have other people coming throughout the day, but we're joined now by, uh, I'll let them introduce themselves afterwards, but Kevin Cosgrove to my right left, I guess, if you're watching, Luca Merrick and Julie Patterson, who are all realtors here in the greater Ottawa area. And we wanted to kind of bring them in and allow them to share their expertise. So we are on video. If you're tuning in live, thank you. If you're listening after the fact, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, why don't you guys take a second just to kind of introduce yourself and let us know maybe what markets you focus on, how long you've been in the business. And Kevin, why don't you kick it off here? Kick it off. Awesome. Thanks, Paul. I actually didn't realize that you actually had the, the emphasis marked on your notes there. Hello. Welcome yeah. to the... Exclamation mark. Thank you for the intro. Happy to be here. I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller, I guess. And I live in Carleton Place, the booming metropolis. And so we, we service that area and also the greater Ottawa area as well, focusing kind of primarily on the west and central neighborhoods as well as Carleton Place. A uh, bit about me, I've been in the business since 2018. We have a small team, we're four realtors total, and we have a full-time marketing and admin. And uh, yeah, we, li- we actually have our own office right downtown Carl Place, 122 Bridge Street. Uh, below, we opened a coffee shop. So I've got actually some gifts for our, our hosts today and fellow guests that we'll open later maybe. The Foundry. The, the Foundry. And uh, yeah, our real estate office is upstairs. Uh, we did a major reno during COVID. I've got three young kids, and my wife Katie's also an entrepreneur. So that's a bit about us. We'll have to get into the to the Renos. Yeah, Renos the, later. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, I'm often punching my steering wheel when you guys are talking about Renos <laughs> and development costs and stuff. I'm I'm right there with you guys. So we, we've blown at least a few airbags, eh? Like, <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Punching their steering wheels. <laughs> so Luca is actually the the Merrick of the Campbell Merrick Group. So maybe you guys have probably he's been on the show once before, maybe twice. Yeah, and uh, Greg, obviously not being here, we wanted to bring Luke in. So maybe give us. A little bit about your background and how you and Greg connected, maybe. Yeah, so I have a background in banking and finance, and then I switched over to real estate about three years ago. Greg and I started working together, and now it's turned into a partnership, and now you guys can see the better half of the Campbell Merrick Group. <laughs> I was commenting on the hairline earlier. It's phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, if your hairline is, is any more than two inches receded at the Campbell Merrick Group, you're, you're not allowed. We, we divided, I, I would never make it divided there. divided the strong hair right down the middle of the table here. Yeah. We're, we're, this side, this yeah. side, we're good. We're, we're spread. We're follicle strong. We're, we're on the road. Side. Gain train on this side over here. We were worried about the lighting. And Julie, what about yourself? How, how did you come to know everyone here and what's your experience oh, in real estate? Great question. Well, I used to work with Luca and Greg at what was once Blue Panda. Yep. We had a great time and I've now transitioned over to Engel and Volkers. Been there okay. for a couple years now. And Dave and I once did a first time home buyers seminar, what were like yeah. four or five years ago. Great turnout. Yeah. I think we got some business from that. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. It was actually, well, COVID now has been basically going on 
this will be the fourth year yeah. in March. So it'd probably be six years ago. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's great. We should yeah. actually do this again. Yeah. I haven't that's probably the last one I've done. <laughs> probably same yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um yeah, and I guess I focus on Ottawa Central. I also do love the occasional rural property and like the different nuances that come with that and acreage. But myself, I also do get into the bit of the investment world. I've dabbled in private mortgages as well as flips and also landlords. So just doing a, a bit of everything in the real estate world. Wow. The Swiss Army knife. I love it. Got all these- <laughs> it. Now, if only you could use the Swiss Army knife now to open the wine. Yeah, yeah. Can't, uh, anyway. Did you get that open? <laughs> no. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I like beer anyways. Yeah. <laughs> Never <laughs> struggles here. So you guys are all, you guys kind of focus on different markets. Kevin, specifically, you're kind of outside the city, Carlton Place, obviously near and dear to my heart. That's right. Out there 40, often. Number 47. Number 47, mm-hmm. uh, Carlton Place, Junior P, doesn't matter. So yeah, tell us what's what's happening out kind of rural. What, what's, what are you seeing out there in the, in the valley? That's why, I mean, I think I was thinking through this a little bit, kind of coming on here. Like, I think just in a nutshell, before COVID, before the pandemic, the, the big spike, we'd say to Carlton Place, you know, you'd, you'd be looking in maybe Canada or the, the West End neighborhoods. And we'd say, you know what, you know, come, come, come and CP and that townhouse will be $75,000 cheaper. Or you might get a single family home for the same price as a townhouse in Canada. Then COVID hit and we kind of just equalized. Like we're a bit of like, you know, maybe like not an actual suburb of the city of Ottawa, but like we react that way in terms of pricing. Our average price, our average days in the market is very similar to a Canada, Stittsville, kind of central Ottawa, right? So we're we're basically now, you know, we're in line, you know, a couple points off, a couple thousand dollars off average sale price of what happens in the city. So we react very similarly, whereas pre-COVID, we used to be completely different, right? It was cheaper to come to Carlin Place. It was a bit of a different buying experience. I remember when we bought there in 2016, we were selling our townhouse, trying to sell our townhouse, we ended up keeping it as a rental. In Orleans, <laughs> it was a Minto Hampton model. It was only a couple years old. You know, Julie, everyone's shown these ones, right? So we had that for sale for 330 and we couldn't sell it. It was a balanced market and maybe more of a buyer's market even at that point. And we, we rolled into Carlton Place and bought a single family home for the same price that we were selling our house for it. So it was like, holy moly, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. And then that narrative's changed a little bit now. It's a bit more equal. So yeah, that's a bit of the before kind of pandemic. And then post pandemic, we, we basically react like a suburb of Ottawa. But you guys were, during COVID, you guys were actually, I think, in we were pretty hot. the fastest were Canada. So Canada, Carlin Place and Armprior <laughs> were the two fastest growing communities yeah. in Canada, right? So, so we, we had the trophy $715,000 townhouse sales like, you know, Ottawa did. You know, we had, you know, there's a this story I like to tell about, there was a house for sale for $9.99 and change, right? And it was four bedroom, it was a beautiful house in Stonewater Bay, it was like a model home. And my client offered 1.2. And I hated the number. I'm like, guys, this is way too high. 1.2. They're going to they're take my license away. And anyway, <laughs> we submit this thing, massive deposit, whatever. The agent calls me like, she's just going to send me the deposit instructions. And she's like, you're light. Pardon? So we were light sold for 1.27. So like we, we were kind of reacting like the neighborhoods in Ottawa, right? You'd hear that, that same story, you know, throughout the, the pandemic, you know, here. And it was the same kind of thing in Carlton Place. And so what, looking at the numbers of that place now, of that, let's go, let's look at that 127 in Carlton Place. Yeah. What in today's market? Is that unfortunate? I'm, I'm, I, I'm walking into that. I'm walking into that living room. I'm walking into that living room. I'm wearing a bulletproof vest. No, I mean, I, I don't want to think it's, I mean, you're probably, you know, you're over one, but it's, it's not by much, right? Yeah. Like it's, you're probably, you know, a million fifty or something like that. Like, yeah. so big hit, you know, I, I like to tell this story. We, I think it's really relevant. We, we sold a client's house in May of 2022, right? So last May, it was a townhouse. It was, it was on Riddell Street, whatever. It was a townhouse, inner unit. We sold it for 685. 
and my clients at the time are like, oh my God, there was a 715 around the corner just a couple months ago. I'm like, oh yeah, well, this is the new market. We bought the neighboring house this January for 610, right? Same house, yeah, same no. house. So, so we go from six, 715, one full calendar year later in a bit, down to 610, right? So you know, that, that 685 a couple months earlier looked really good in, in that context, right? So we've, we've got sort of seen probably the, the typical drip or drop that we've seen in Ottawa, right? But again, these people paid 2019 400,000 for the house. So even, even at 610, 60, yeah. you know, these are still good numbers, right? So yeah. you're seeing the same, the same fluctuations in pricing a little bit. Like, yeah. Like in the Valley, as far as like, I, I think so. Like, you know, that, 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 smaller, that lazy like, number of a hundred, hundred thousand dollar, you know, yeah. give back kind of, you know, I think, I think if I'm through the city of Ottawa, we've got a couple four buyer clients looking at central Ottawa neighborhoods and we're seeing detached homes in the sixes and sevens, mm -hmm. low eights. That would have been a million dollars or, or, or high nines or mid nines, you know, during the pandemic, we offered on these types of places, like the old kind of bungalows in the central neighborhoods, like Carlington, things like that. They've come down quite a bit. Right. So I think yeah, in CP, it's, you know, pretty similar to probably what, what's going on in the rest of Ottawa, just that, that regression kind of back down a little bit, you know, maybe by 10% or so. Is the, is the buyer, do you find the buyer interest still a similar or people sit on the sidelines you talk to that you were for your group and again like i know you guys are more central and, and east and then it's know, interesting valley, no like i think in the valley like i think the con i mean I, I think it's it's a generalization that like buyer confidence is has waned obviously right yeah. and we're, we're hoping to see you know balance so you know the, i think the last couple of months the interest rates is a good news story right i know mm -hmm. i know we're you know it's, it's tough times for a lot of people right now people are feeling the pinch yeah but no, I think for the for the most part, buyer confidence is is hopefully returning a little bit, you know. But no, I haven't seen a, any difference in the Carlin Place market in terms of buyer demand than than elsewhere. Uh, I will say, if anything, the mark, the interest is picking up on the Ottawa side. You know, mm -hmm. people that are maybe renting out of, out of my three buyers that I'm working with, sorry, four buyers that I'm working with now in the central neighborhoods, only one of them has to sell. So these are three people that are either moving new to the city mm -hmm. or they're renting currently and they're they're waiting. They've been waiting to get into the market and they're thinking that now might be that kind of sweet spot where you still get your conditions, you still have a bit of a more of a transparent purchasing process, you know, albeit in a high interest climate, but hopefully that's going to regress a little bit. I think they're, they're realizing that the next couple of months might be that sweet spot before things get crazy again. Yeah, I said that, I think yesterday or maybe today, actually, in one of my newsletters that I think like the next six like, months, I read the newsletter. Be, Good newsletter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably going to be the best time to buy. And I know I said this last month, but I still think like this runway that we're seeing this spring market i think is going to be one of the better times in the last few years to buy like since covid definitely this six month window with rates stabilizing and coming down and even the bank of canada saying like they're going to decrease rates in 2024 we're seeing fixed rates drop over the last few weeks i know i was just reading this and greg just commented in the in in the notes canada's top housing agency cmhc uh, predicts that canada is going to be short up to four million four million housing units by 2030, so that's over the next six years. They also estimate that that's gonna result in a price growth of 89% in the next six years. So like all these things, all these things, this literally came out 14 minutes ago, 15 minutes ago. So all these things considered, I really think like if you're a buyer sitting on the sidelines, there's thousands of buyers. Like I'm sure you guys are all dealing with people that have been shopping for six months, 12 months. I know I have people pre-approved that have been pre-approved for 18 months, just waiting. Like we're waiting, we wanna see what happens. We're waiting to see where the market goes. Like this is 
as low in the trough, I think, as we're ever going to get, personally speaking. And that, and that yeah. echoes the Bloomberg report from last week, too, where they're predicting... Oh, I write for Bloomberg. Anyway. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, you're a Bloomberg no, yeah, guy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not, not a big deal over here, yeah. right? And, and they predicted, you know, maybe pre, pre-pandemic pricing coming back at some point. I'm not as bullish on the, the pricing going crazy, but I definitely think that once the buyer confidence returns and things kind of level out, you know, maybe the prices don't go crazy right off the hop, but definitely it will be more competitive, right? You'll start being out and, you know, the, that really warm sweather weather that you're going to have right now as a buyer of all those conditions and more, that might be what we start seeing dissipate before the prices go crazy. But I think at some point, you know, it'll mm-hmm. all kind of return, you know. What are you two seeing from your buy- from your clients? Do you have a number that are sitting on the sidelines? Like, I'll, I guess, kind of go in order? I'll, I'll start with yeah, you. Sure, Goodbye. So, but mean, like, you know, like are they are they sitting on the sidelines because they're unsh- like they're in for long haul renting or in their house or are they waiting psychologically for rates to come down are they scared of the market or thinking that they're going to time it better yeah i think a see? lot of the people feel like they've been trying to time the market yeah. and i had some clients that were looking like at the beginning of this year in the springtime that weren't quite ready and then were kind of ready in the summertime um, and I kind of had the mentality of kind of waiting until winter for the people that didn't need to buy. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my clients that I was kind of tolling to wait, now I'm kind of pushing a little bit more. Because I think right now, as, as you guys had mentioned, I think it's kind of the, the low point. And up until the last couple of weeks, I've had like a lot of my buyers, buyers very, very dormant. But a lot of people are coming back out again now. I'm starting to get phone calls again from some of my clients that have been active on searches, just kind of browsing, 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 but never really reaching out to go out and wanting to see stuff. So, and like, it's kind of Christmas time, I've done quite a few showings with clients that I haven't showed anything to mm-hmm. in like five or six months. So I'm definitely kind of starting to see that pick up as I think there's some fixed fixed rate mortgages now that are below uh, 5% now. Yeah. So I think that's kind of creating some confidence in the, in the buyer pool. Yeah. How about you, Julie? Yeah, great question. I feel like there's a lot of people that have been sitting on the sidelines, not necessarily out there like looking at homes and mm-hmm. offering, but now they're coming to the table and they're like, if I don't buy now, Julie, I feel like I'm not, they're not going to be this low again. Yeah, the so they've buy. been yeah. sitting to watch. I had one client message me last week and he's like, Julie, I wish I would have got that house. He's like, I feel like I'm not going to be able to afford the market again next month when rates go up. So I feel like there's this like, this year has been really slow. People kind of dragging the heroes, and I feel like they're they're back up. They're like yeah. they want to play the game and they don't want to miss out because the prices are now like affordable to some people, like yeah. compared to what it has been the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. We always say caveat, like like obviously talk to Dave and Paul, get pre-approved, buy within your means. But like the thing is, that purchase price is what's going to age forever, and, and hopefully the rates stabilize and go down a little bit, right? So. I think it's just a matter of, you know, it doesn't always be doom and gloom in terms of the rates being really high. Just just stay with your affordability and you shouldn't be in any trouble. Yeah, and if you're running some of these numbers on rental properties, sure, at, at mm-hmm. 6%, it doesn't make a lot of sense. 4%, it does. Mm-hmm. So two, three, four, five years on renewal, you're going to start cash flowing and then you will kind of bought at a lower price. So I do see people realizing that for the first time. I feel like oftentimes like mm-hmm. we're like pushing, oh, good time to buy, good time to buy. Now I feel like the consumers are coming back and be like, I'm ready, let's do this. I'm curious to see how much, uh, you know, demand there is for people to kind of return to that homeowner dream, right? Because, you know, in a lot of countries, Europe, Europe, you know, particularly like homeownership isn't either a dream or attainable or it's just not something that people even venture to do whereas canada where like it's like it's almost like you graduate from a university you get a bachelor of arts and you get a house yeah right it's like it has to happen in order or you're some sort of failure right so it's like i wonder if you know maybe the millennial generation is a bit more transitory a bit more up and move and you know especially working from home and what we've seen with covid 
if there will even be that you know resurgence to you know be homeowners again, right? Mm -hmm. I always say like, do you do want to be a homeowner? It's just a, a goal of yours, and you know it, I, I'm getting different answers from younger people. I find it's too bad that people lost that like feeling that mm -hmm. they have the that that homeownership was attainable. Mm -hmm. I think where rates are at right now, but a lot of that is kind of the doom and gloom mm -hmm. of of headlines and people just feeling afraid of talking to anybody about yeah. what you know talking to. Like one of you guys, as, as far as a realtor, what's going on in the market or talking to a mortgage professional that like looking at their numbers, what they can maybe qualify for, what the actual true cost is. I know somebody that I spoke with this morning that's working with Kevin, you know, they were going to rent and they're like, you know what, like it actually is going to be cheaper, the same price for us to buy, even at where the rates are at mm -hmm. now. And so they're like, well, it's even for two and three years. This makes sense because we can principal pay down. And even if there's not an appreciation, it still is better than and renting is the way, the, the way that they're looking at it. But it's unfortunate that over the past, you know, really year and a half that people have kind of gone from, with rates being low, it's all psychological, rates being low, mm. money being free, everyone like, you know, is qualifying for everything. And mm. there's like a huge housing rush because that's all that's in the market or on the news. Now it's been like, rates are high, people can't qualify. And so people kind of build on that negativity. I think now in the last couple of weeks, there's been a lot of articles about Bank of Canada, you know, We've seen it in Bloomberg talking about they're predicting, sorry, Deloitte yesterday predicting three rate drops next year. Scotiabank expecting four rate drops for a full 1%. Another Bloomberg economist expecting between two and 300 basis points or two to 3% in a year. But the average when coming out of a, out of a recession or housing drop is 2.43% in a 12 month span. So we kind of look back, we're at a, we're at a high right now for rates. And people are, you know, psychologically don't want to buy when rates are high, but they also don't think about, well, I can get into it for a one month, a one year period or a variable that I can, you know, switch to. These people are sitting on the sidelines and we talk about it and I know people reach out to us of just like, oh, you're always, you know, amp with the market. We don't always amp with the market, but at the end of the day, if your dream is home ownership where people are, have, have kind of felt like they cannot buy, mm -hmm. you can buy something even as an introductory property it doesn't need to be your dream home and everyone starts a lot of out pressure on the, the the forever home right i've been in my no, been crazy. like six forever homes in my life like it's like you know we just gossip right even like, first time home buyers we talk to they're they're you know they might be pre-approved up to seven hundred thousand, but they want to buy at 675 like or you could just like you said like start with like we were talking about a home mm -hmm. off air before we came here that was mm -hmm. it's like a three-bedroom townhome in Orleans, like just over 300,000. Like that's a perfect starter home. Yeah. That's the first home I bought was $212,000. Paul, I'm, I'm such a know? fan of the podcast. When you broke down your journey through real estate, you know, the red paper clip <laughs> yeah, that you yeah, started yeah. with and where you ended yeah. up, I love that breakdown. I thought it was really good. And but that's a journey many people, people forget can take, about, right? Yes. And that was over maybe a 10 year time frame. Yeah. I went from like a starter home to what I see now as my forever home. Palatial estate. I, I want to go back to, <laughs> I want to go back to what uh, I think Luca or Julie said that like we keep saying that this is a really good time to buy, but on the flip side of that, it's not a great time to sell. So we're also, all these people mm. that we're dealing with that are like waiting on the sidelines are typically first time home buyers or maybe people that own their home and are looking for an investment property. And like you said, at 6%, buying that investment property probably might not make sense for them. So, however, it's a great time to upgrade. Yes. So right now, cause yeah. if you look at it, if you're looking to get in a million price point, yeah. that, that drop percentage wise, you are better off sure you've lost money on your house, but upgrading Delta. like that loss yeah. will probably be your only time to get into that bigger house. So if you're looking to downsize, it might not make mm -hmm. so much sense, but if you're looking to sell that like $600,000 townhouse and maybe get into a million dollar house, mm -hmm. 
like for those 900 are, or 850 right exactly, like why not like you might not be able to do that again so i think if people can look yeah sure it's not a great time to sell but if you're looking to upgrade and get into like another bracket you're winning all day mm -hmm. like sure mm -hmm. your townhouse would have sold 100 grand more you would have been paying an extra 300 grand probably yeah, on yeah. The especially julie if you're selling something sub 500,000, that market's still booming right like you exactly. know like we, we talk about like you know obviously like things are slower but like there's certain price points that just move, right? And like, you know, if you are in a starter home buyer price point, then yeah, that moving up ability is definitely still there because you're gonna have an easy time on the sell side based on your price point. Absolutely, so I do think that, yeah, it might not always make sense to sell and maybe you've bought in 2016 and you just don't want to hold anymore. Yeah. You're still looking at this like, wow, that's still a pretty good profit. Yeah, for mm -hmm. sure, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the from, from like a, a market where you're saying like that lower price point, what are you guys finding is the most active price point right now that- Right uh, around that five, yeah, no yeah. condo fees, like those three-story townhomes or even like the older two-stories, they're flying. If they're priced right, they go and they go quick. I'm seeing a lot of people picking them up for themselves or even townhomes. Like our prices have gone down, but the rents are insane right now. I, I was, I'm shocked to see how high the rents have gotten the last year and I guess landlords probably have to demand it because of the interest rates but tenants are willing to pay yeah oh and Airbnb changing now too like I'm sure people that had Airbnbs are like Airbnb purpose units are now having to find tenants as right, well, right that's a good point too I do a lot of rentals like we we do them I don't know we, we like it I, I think from a, a business perspective it helps us serve our landlords really well my wife and I own rental properties as well so it keeps us kind of in the game and relevant but if I'm even helping qualified tenants like these are future buyers right we're, we're, we're we saw multiple offers on one of our rental properties this week with everyone made, you know, the aggregate of $5,000 each. So 10,000 gross income coming in between the two couples that were applying for this bidding war on a rental for $3,000 a month. Everyone's credit score was above 700. Everyone had like stable income, you know, they're renting for various reasons, but like these are really qualified applicants and, and they're definitely buyers in, a, in another market, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, we're seeing a lot of quality. We're being really picky on the rental side, but we're, we're getting people that come in there with with high income you know 80 grand a year 70 grand a year and good credit and you're commanding the rents that are considerably higher than last year i was quite shocked i took a look mm. at the numbers from last year i was talking to a potential tenant and i'm like oh this is kind of what they were renting for i blinked and now they're like two three hundred dollars more in the span yeah. of like nine to twelve months which is shocking for like a canada townhouse yeah so what do you what what is a like a I'll use Canada townhouse. What are they using? Like, what are they renting for? I guess right now? like a nicer two story is like 2,500. Whereas like the last couple of years were probably 22. 21, 22. And you might have been mm -hmm. lucky if you had a really nice one to pull 23. And now it seems like 25, even for something that's not stunning. Yeah. Um, Detached or close to three grand a month, like, you know, 28, 29, is, three. And is that because of demand? I mean, obviously supply and demand. I, I, but is I, there like, is, there, is that just like, a, like over demand for rentals right now in that single family or? Yeah, I guess it's more, I, I, more people are probably renting right now yeah. or exiting the market, coming to Ottawa. Like there's just the demand for it, which is incredible. And I think landlords are also pushing for higher rates and getting them yeah. because of their mortgages. Yeah. I think they're putting it higher and they're getting their rates. Or do you find, do you find from like an area, if you're a, if you talked about investors before, if you're an investor looking to buy like a mom and pop investor looking to buy a, like a single family unit, would you say Canada is a really good area for that based on the rents that you're seeing and the price points or is it, or, or, and demand from like a, 
type of employment base or would you recommend other areas? Not as great because of the employment base, but I think if you like look at places like Carlton Place, what you can purchase it for, the rents are fairly similar to Canada. Yeah. So mm -hmm. if you're looking for a cash flow perspective, maybe going to Carlton Place or Embram makes more sense. If you were like really want like a tech uh, tenant in yeah. your house that makes really good income, I would say stay in the Kanata area or any of the suburbs. Within cash the flow being the argument word here that you have to put down 35% to flow cash <laughs> right now. Like, like, Sorry. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, buy cash and you'll always <laughs> open cash flow. flow. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm with you though on, on, on the rents being being high and you know inching closer. I mean, God, what they would have they would have been super cash flow positive. You know, you, you imagine you you're on the other side of these these prices where you, you paid you know. 450 or 500 for these townhouses in mm -hmm. 2016, 17, 18, 19, whatever, and you're getting now all of a sudden 2,500, holy smokes, right? Yes. Whereas right now, what we're finding with the multi-units and you do a lot with investments as well, is that like, unless there's like a triplex with a couple of vacancies, we're having a really hard time flowing cash unless we put 30, 40, 50% down, right? Just, and you're yeah. entirely right. That's always been the case. That yeah. was like Ottawa 2018, a townhouse for 300,000. You still weren't cash flowing because the rents were 1,500. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think yeah. the cool yeah. thing about Ottawa is you're probably going to be cash flow negative mm -hmm. for a couple of years, but our rents seem to really pick up. So at least they appreciate though. The one thing about townhouses is that you, you get appreciation versus the multi units that I find you, you might pay a price today and you'll, you'll sell for very similar, mm -hmm. you know, four or five years from now. They don't appreciate like a townhouse where a townhouse does have the opportunity if, if you know the market catches fire for them to to go up you know 30 50 100 grand like we've seen right absolutely and like on a different topic but still in renting like i think it makes a lot of sense if you can only afford like to buy like three four hundred thousand you want to be in the market go buy a rental property where you can afford it and go rent where mm -hmm. you want to live like you mm -hmm. want to rent that big detached house but get in the market that's a good go to richmond you can get one of those like kyvan or madame homes for like 2800 they're like 2000 square yeah. feet taj mahal it's yeah crazy. exactly so you <laughs> rent that but then also buying so your foot's in the market so yeah, I, I also think that's a great avenue and honestly i might even consider it myself looking mm -hmm. at what i want to buy i'm like i don't yeah. want to pay the mortgage on yeah, that, yeah, but yeah. the rent on that isn't bad <laughs> but then i still have rental property so i still am in the market so i think there's different avenues that can work for people and like getting them pre-approved what works for them what price point they're like i really wouldn't be happy at three hundred thousand. maybe it's a condo they don't want that get your foot in the market and then rent where you want to live it's yeah. it's a weird uh we're in a, a place right now where we're like everything is increasing rapidly. Obviously we've seen inflation go through the roof. So our mindset of money has shifted so much that like 2,500 for rent seems very reasonable. But five years ago, that would seem absolutely insane. Like who the hell's paying $2,500 for rent in a townhome? You know, like, I would have been, my mind would have been blown. We're getting yeah. desensitized here. Yeah, we are. Yeah, like really like, you know, like people, people's mortgages have gone from, you know, 3,000 to 5,000 to 6,000. And it's just kind of like, okay, well, I guess that's what it is now. And people just become almost like numb to these groceries, everything. Like, you know, it's just, it's wild. Where it's, here. it's, yeah, it's wild to hear those prices and think like, that's just the new norm. And no, it's not going to, that's not going to retract. Rent's not going to go back down to 1800 a month anytime soon. And if it happened ever, so, you know, so fast. Yeah. Like it really yeah, did so. happen fast. I'm trying to think. I, I sold, I had a townhome in Barrio and it was my, the first house I bought, I converted to a rental and, and I'm trying to think, I sold it in 2018, February, 2018. And I think I had rents on it. So I sold it for a record on the street at 330. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I had it, it was a 10 in it and then they didn't pay for a while and that was a you know oh, turned wow. out to be a fun one but i think 
I think I had it for rent at that time for 1700 The same townhouses, like after right now, are, are going for, I think, probably still going for like 600 650 something like that. But rents would be in that 2300 range, mm -hmm. and that was 2018. So, yeah, I kind of think about, I think about rents even on like comparative, on like places that I've had is pretty funny. It's like anything. Like, you know, I think my they parents. They go up no matter what. They, they bought like, their house, it was $80,000. You're like, oh my gosh, what a steal. You know, like obviously everything in the recent Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> But, yeah. you know, I think, I think we'll see things, as things start to shift the other way, I think, you know, the, although the, the cost of living has gone up, I think everything else will eventually bounce out where everyone is kind of where they were a few years ago, but just, you know, kind of leveled up. Greg has a question here. I'm not sure if it's his or from someone else, but it says, can you shed any light on what it's like attempting to do a flip in the current market compared to pre-pandemic and throughout the pandemic? I think all of us at this table have done a flip of some sort. Uh, I think, Julie, you might have just finished one or are finishing one. So why don't you take the lead here and let us know what it's like. Oh, great question. During the pandemic. Uh, during the pandemic, working with clients, I'll start with that perspective. They're always like, oh, the prices are too crazy. This makes no sense. Mm -hmm. But the prices were increasing so fast, it was incredible. And like, I think sometimes I got a little bit scared or nervous what was going to happen. But the reality was if you could pick something up that needed work by the time you were done, like six, seven months and you did the lift, you're also gaining an extra five to 10% on market. Just by so like it, yeah. just by owning it, sometimes by the time I like, I could have done no, <laughs> there could have been no renovation mm -hmm. and there would have been time so the timing. Yeah. Like I just like was very lucky during the pandemic and just kept hitting it on like the new increase. So. I did, I think I did six during the pandemic, which honestly, if I could go back, I would just go all in and just yeah. do more. I was very nervous, always scared. Everything was going to crash the next day. And even if it had, it probably would have been okay because it does nothing goes down quickly. Now today, very different. Your profits look very different. I think before it was like an easy hundred grand on your flip. Now I think going back to pre-bintemic you're probably looking at 50 grand unless you could do excellent on the buy and that's kind of what i'm seeing now uh, you're not getting the appreciation and you also have to be conscientious to get the flip done quick before i could drag my feet because the market is increasing now there's also, like you know unknown. one and a half percent interest rate you're not your hair's not on fire well right? that's actually you know it's funny i have variable mortgages i know what interest costs it i when i ran the numbers i'm like wow twenty thousand dollars in interest I, I knew it was expensive, but it wasn't until I sat down there in the numbers, like that really changes your profit margins. Yeah. Like you carrying it for six months or yeah, months before or... variable 1.6. Now it's 9% on an open. private money. Yeah. It could be in a private mm -hmm. money on these flips too. Right? You never yeah. Know, right? Well, even on like the A side, which the current one I have is we went with an open mortgage because it made more sense. There was no fees to break. Yeah. So that's 9%. Mm -hmm. So money's gotten very expensive as we all know but it was very eye-opening and um, i think it's still a great time the profits are you're probably going to be like 50 to 75 whereas before it was like easy 100 mm -hmm. 200 300 something crazy yeah because people will pay for pretty like people wanted the pretty thing so they were also bidding beyond the last sale so it's hard to like even figure out the price because you're like okay this one sold for five 80 well maybe we'll land here and then yours is so much nicer and then the price increases and then you're at like 675 and you never would have dreamed that you would end there so flips are <laughs> tricky too because you never know at the end like you said like there might be a stigma with that house like i know in current places a lot of older homes like, yeah, like century, century homes, homes yeah that people update 
And sometimes there's stigmas with those. Or people knew the person who lived there before, and it's actually like they still see it as a three hundred thousand dollar house, but now it's six hundred. And there's like those weird kind of stigmas on flips where some people love it and they want it turnkey. It's beautiful. It's all updated. What's behind the wall? Or hey. did they just put lipstick on it? And you're not sure of the Renault, and you're like, it looks good, but what's actually happening there? And obviously inspections and uh, stuff. Absolutely. Help, and I think that's the scary part of during the pandemic is people weren't. Mm -hmm. Now buyers can inspect them, and you can kind of like if you have like somewhat of a trained eye you can kind of see where maybe corners had been cut and whereas like but now you you have your due diligence you can go buy something have an inspector tell you if it's it's good or bad and before people were just going in no conditions yeah i think home buyers in general and you guys would know this better than i but their home buyers are lazy <clears throat> like they they like the shiny thing they don't care typically like i was fine they don't care about you can tell them there's a new roof new hvac like New, you know, any of the inner workings, they're like, yeah, great, great, great. But it's got, it's got quartz. Yeah. It's nice. <laughs> like those lights, real nice. And, and they don't care. They're like, oh, but there's no heat in the winter. Yeah, I don't care. The lighting's real nice. Yeah. Like, it's actually a shit. one season it property. Was... You can't actually be here other than July. Yeah. You see the subway tile, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We have one client who who's a flipper, and we do about three a year with him, and he focuses primarily on condos, right? Because we find. Condos being like those row unit condos, like they're Draper, Woodfield, they're amazing. We just did one on Cotters. And what we find is great uh, about those is that you don't have to worry about roof, windows, foundation, all that's Condo Corp envelope. So you can literally do just a cosmetic flip on the inside. And there's that confidence that the buyers have on that, on that, that like they just look at the status certificate and, and they, they might inspect it as well. But it's a little bit more straightforward and, you know, we're, we're picking these things up low threes and there was a time we were selling these you know 425 434 40 hit a home run 500 <laughs> we've had a whereas recent example 305 purchase price 397.5 exit price carried for about three months um you know at high interest rates and things like that and then but he does all the work himself so you know he's still gonna be on the right side of that probably be a 30 40k you know mm -hmm. gain for him on that one yeah and i would say Everyone wants these sexy big projects. And no. The one I just did was. No, you don't. You don't. <laughs> no. You want yeah. a con. Like, condos are best. my. Like, yeah. they were my bread and butter, and they're easy to sell. They're easy to fix up. You don't have to worry about all of these things. But And there's like, always a market in that price point, typically, right? Yeah, and people yeah. don't want to touch them. Every time, like, I have a buyer, I'm like, oh, like, let maybe get into these condos. Like, entry level, you can still pick them up 280 to 300. Nobody wants it. They want no condo fees. And the pride and ownership yeah. in these areas too, because you know these used to be largely tenant occupied, but now it's it's first time homebuyers that are in there. So you start seeing like just like you know the the welcome signs out front, and they're just like a, this is very nice like you know neighborhoods now. And, and to that, there's all these older rental properties that are quite beat up, so you can still kind of pick them up at these yeah. prices mm -hmm. that make sense. A lot of the homebuyers like they don't either have the savings to do the renovations as well. Or they don't know about certain programs like a purchase plus where they can get in yes. and do the work, leverage the bank for it. And so buying something that has been redone on those condos <clears throat> at that entry level price point, it is attractive. I know like buddy of mine, we we've done a number of flips as well. And we have condos about we've always done well in them. This is well before the pandemic when we couldn't rely on appreciation. So we'd have to be in and out in five weeks with with full reno and, and it would be uh, a lot trickier because you're having to run your numbers very tightly and run run this the show. This was the longest one we ever done. This was three months on the yeah. market, and I like every day I thought I was gonna fired because like this was a like because like he he's in and out in three weeks. Yeah. Like uh, he's done. Like yeah. I got the keys. I photo staged like three weeks later. So it, this was a long a longer experience on the market than we've ever had mm -hmm. in these condo flips.
No. Are you guys finding that you are getting people that are able to get approved for? I think that's one of the reasons why I've been seeing a lot of people that go for the prettier homes and stuff like that is, you know, they get, you know, max of whatever they can afford and then there's no room for them to get any more money on the purchase plus side. Quite a few first-time home buyers that are like, oh, you know, if I get this, I don't know what my, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get furniture, let alone, you know, be able to have money to do like renovations and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, I mean, really you're qualifying the same way. So the Purchase Plus programs are an insured program. So you're really capped at what your qualifying ratios are. Like mm -hmm. you can't exceed that. There's no exceptions to be made or anything like that. But, you know, really what is allowing those buyers to do is instead of looking for properties that are, you know, move in ready so to speak Turkey, that yeah. they're finding someone that is maybe an old landlord property like you were saying getting a good price and being able to then you know maybe they qualify for 450 so they're able to buy at 375 instead and put you know then, 75 yeah, or 50 grand worth of rentals because you can actually get upwards of a hundred thousand mm -hmm. in that improvements amount as an insured product so it does open up that kind of that buying uh, range mm -hmm. like instead of buying at 450 trying to tack mm -hmm. on like you're able to kind of shop either moving ready or not and right. it's kind of allowing you to give that more flexibility so it's not it's not a matter of like them qualifying necessarily under that program for more it's just they're now opening up their their like their search parameters if you will that's what, what i find yeah it's just not a pro it's not a program that the banks talk about the banks like the major banks don't do a good job of it mm -hmm. uh, the challenge that you know the the banks have is that they look for money in savings for mm -hmm. them to be able to pay for those rentals. Mm -hmm. They'll approve them for that purchase plus, but they need, let's say it's 50,000. They need to show 50,000 in savings before they'll approve them under that program, basically that they have to pay for it up front, show the paid right. invoices when the rentals are done. Whereas there's other banks out there that don't have that, where they will allow you to get it because a lot of times you're, you're going into that program because you don't have the savings. Yeah, because you don't have the So a lot of people don't grand. take advantage <laughs> yeah. of the programs. Yeah. You know, if you go to big green, big red, big mm -hmm. uh, blue, they mm -hmm. don't, they look for the money ahead of time. Mm -hmm. First time home buyers don't have that. They mm -hmm. have their 5% down, their 10% down and that's it. So these programs through other, other lenders, which are a banks is allowing them to do the renovations, tell their contractor, Hey, when the work is done, somebody's going to come take a look at it. As soon as you tell me it's going to be done, we're going to line up somebody to come in to say that it's done and you'll get your money within 24 hours. Mm -hmm. And the, as, soon as, it, as soon as they're done the work, they just line up, the money's released through, the, through their lawyer to, re, to pay that invoice. But it's allowing for a lot more flexibility, whereas a lot of people get turned off because they go to their bank that they may be bank with and they don't do these programs really well. Mm -hmm. They're not as flexible. And so I think that turns off a lot of people of really kind of taking advantage of it because it's, it's such an amazing program that yeah. I don't know why it's so under underused. And I think there's a lot of buyers that get turned away from those like $300,000 like condo towns. Like I've had some of my investor clients do very, very well on them. Mm. I know Julie did one that I actually showed to a client of mine that was the one that she mentioned that she sold for in the fives, which at the time was like insane. Cause Bought I think, it for 270. I was thinking like maybe like 450 or something. She's yeah. like, she's like, and like at the time when her and I were trying, like, I was like, oh, like, no, 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 no. But like at the time, we're like, well, like that would potentially be a good price, yeah. but they wanted to put it on market and they ended up getting over 500, yeah, I think, which was, which was amazing. Yeah. I think, well, initially I think we're like, maybe we'll sell it for 400. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. Mm -hmm. like I, when we bought it, I think in September it was a hoarder house and we said we'd like assume all their stuff. It was a clean hoarder house, surprisingly, but. <laughs> Well organized boxes, labels. It really was. It was actually a really funny story. The guy was obviously he had probably had some struggles. 
So closing day, he's still in there. We're like, buddy, like we said, you could leave your stuff. Like, just do you mind? He's like, oh, he's like, I just can't find my denture. He's like, if you see a lo lower denture, can you call the listing agent? <laughs> and I'm like, if I see a lower denture, I will let them know. But like, this deal's closed. Like, grab what you need, please. Yeah. Everybody's going out in a shovel. They <laughs> were like, the whole house is packed. And I'm like, what else? How much stuff can you really grab at this point? Yeah. Like, we'll keep an eye out for your denture. Never did find it, actually. Uh, yeah, I would say that the, the Purchase Plus program, two things. One, to Julie's point, like, nobody, most first-time homebuyers are not looking for a massive project unless they are a tradesperson or they're in construction or they're actually looking specifically for that. But the second part of that is that probably 99% of first-time homebuyers or even homeowners in general have no idea that this program exists. Like, I would say probably even, you know, half of realtors probably don't even know the program exists, especially newer ones. So you guys obviously know, Dave and I know, but most people even in the industry don't know that the Purchase Plus Improvement Program exists. So clients are obviously not going to know, which means that there's all this basic money, I don't want to say money, but like equity, forced equity appreciation left on the table that people are not taking advantage of just because of a lack of information, lack of knowledge. So it's our duty really, and every agent's duty that if you see a client, you're pre-approving them, like asking them those questions. Like, what is your goal with this property? Like, if you have a specific type of property in mind? If they say, oh, we're looking for a turnkey solution, then, you know, that's obviously a little bit of an easier softball to say, oh, well, might not be turnkey, but you can customize your home however you want. This is how you do it. And, you know, you can have those conversations, but most clients aren't thinking to ask like, oh, if I buy a dilapidated home or a beaten up home or a hoarder house, like, can I fix this up with the bank's money? Like, how does that work? Like, nobody's thinking of that unless they're really outside the That's box. That's like dilapidated might be the wrong term yeah, for yeah, a purchase yeah. plus, right? You still have to be appraised. But, 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 but like you, but we oftentimes when we're introducing clients that, over to Dave, it's like, hey, just want to, I want you to touch on the purchase plus here because, you know, we're, we're definitely in the mid-century modern neighborhoods. We're in that price point, we think, you know, to be confirmed by you, obviously. And, you know, we come across enough that need a new kitchen and a bathroom, maybe like that. Like, we think this could be in scope. And then we have that conversation on the front end and then we're, we have that lens when we're out buying. You know, we know we can afford and we know that we can take care of twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 of renovations quite easily with a purchase plus. But it's not even for, like, cosmetic stuff, that nice shiny thing, like roofs, HVAC, yeah. septic. You can really kind of spread it out. So, if, you know, depending on where they're looking, sometimes the property with like, you know, a septic that's shot, instead of them having a couple of 20 grand mm -hmm. to replace septic, which is, you know, typically out of pocket, they know it ahead of time, can, can float it under that that's program helpful. as well. Yeah, really so helpful. it kind of gets that deal done for them and for, for their agent where it necessarily might not have happened. And the really cool part about that is like, as a Canadian, that's like your, one of the main ways you can get ahead in life. Like mm. if you can buy something, like even if it's a coat of paint and you're willing to just like put a bit of work in and make it look nice, that's the only money you'll ever make tax-free. Obviously you need to stay in your house, but if you're willing to commit to this for three to five years, then you've already made, there's equity in your property and that's how you can kind of get where you want to go if you're willing to put in some sweat equity, have them do some financing with the bank, get your mm -hmm. purchase plus, can really move you up where you want to go in life. Be strategic starting, about it. Yeah, starting yeah. with nothing. Like you can start with a $300,000 condo townhouse and end up in a million dollar house in 15 pa Paul years. Paul did this. Paul, Paul did it. He did yeah. it. We should be able to insert that clip. Like, like it's, it's good. Yeah. yeah. I you. did listen to that. It was <laughs> great. 
Yeah. You do what, sorry? That was one of the, like, your first episodes, wasn't it? True fans. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 160 yeah. episodes I, ago. I, used to, I, I fell off the bandwagon for a bit here, yeah. but I, like, at the first year, I think I listened to, like, almost every episode. Good to great. Awesome. Yeah, no, Cole's Notes basically, like, bought my first town home. That was 2011, so 12 years ago now. It was 212000 as I said. I didn't do any renos to it. I just bought it. It was actually part of Paul Rush Force. Love it or list it or or all for nothing. Sorry, was the name of the show? It was like this HGTV type TV yeah. show, and basically the premise of the show was they had two homeowners compete against each other to see who could do the best renovations to force appreciation for the least amount of money. I've seen this. So it was just a shorter yeah, yeah. version of the story. <laughs> like to the point to the point where they were having like garage sales and like bake sales to try to get money to use for the renovations. So it's hilarious. So the renovations when I got in there were like updated, but we're talking about lipstick. It was the big sale. It was the cheapest lipstick on the cheapest granite, you know. So I stayed there for seven years. It appreciated pretty much nil. Like when I sold it, I sold it for two hundred seventeen thousand, and I put in eight grand before I left just to update the kitchen, like countertops, cabinets. I updated one of the both washrooms actually, but they were like smaller washrooms. So I think the total rent was like eight to ten grand, and I sold it for five thousand more than I bought it for seven years prior. And I thought that was a steal, but because of the just appreciate, like just the the principal pay down, yeah. yeah, just just from paying down principal, I had thirty forty grand in equity. I used that for the down payment on another home that was a semi, and it was three forty. I took advantage of the purchase plus. I did forty k in renos plus like use some of the equity I had in the other place to kind of fix it up. I probably put in maybe 65 grand and then I kept that home for two years, sold in 2020 for 625. So almost doubled the value of that home and then used some of that equity, did the same thing, bought another home. It was kind of like on a beautiful street, but older home, old bungalow, meticulously kept, but dated like, like you smelt the must as you walked in. You're like, oh, it smells like my grandmother's like drawer, but everywhere. So we did like a full remodel, gutted it, fully rebuilt it. And now to me, it's like my favorite type of home is like a, a old bungalow brick, like like this sort of background, but remodeled, updated. So that's what I did. And now that's, you know, currently my forever home. We'll see what happens in the future, but it's but I love kernel. it. It's a kernel. It's, it's a dawn of It's not the forever it's a, home. It's a kernel. It's but, a lot of pressure on the house. Right? But yeah, it is. But all this to say, like I got into that initial $212,000 home with minimum, like with a 5% down payment. So my mm-hmm. original investment is, you know, 10 grand basically. It's the red paper. And though. now I've built that to in to over 10 years, basically like a, a forever home. So going back to the original conversation of like, just get into something, like get into the market, start building that equity. And like every time you're paying rent, I know it's, is we, we say this all the time, but like every time you're paying rent, you're essentially just paying someone else's mortgage. So if you can pay that mortgage yourself, at least the money, eventually is going to come back into your pocket in the form of appreciation and, and everything else, right? Principal pay down and so on. Well, rent's 100% interest, so even... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Yeah. Interest rates might be 6 or 7%, but if you're paying rent your whole life, you're never going to own or get any yeah. appreciation on that, right? So I think it's a really great point is just like anything else, real estate specifically is just get your foot into the door and just get started with something, right? Because once you get in, you're going to learn a bunch of stuff. I'm sure you learned a lot of stuff while owning that first place for seven years that you then took that knowledge transferred, 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 and eventually now you're living in a million dollar house that you paid six something for, you got in at a good time, but you would have never got to that had you not just gotten into that first place. And like most people that bought in the last seven years probably doubled their money. You only made five grand, right? And you still are where you are today. So Mm -hmm. I think that's a really great point. Mm 
Uh, Greg has a, a comment here. It's in the heavens, just just shining down on us here. <laughs> Hi, Greg. So Greg says, is there a general feeling from the group that we're officially at the bottom of the market? And do we have any thoughts on predictions for percentage increase in home prices and sales volume in Ottawa for 2024? Well, I mean, I think traditionally in the last couple of years, like our fall, like getting into late fall and where winter's starting November, December, the market's down and then it peters up. Same thing happened. Uh, year, year before well, that. Damage was done in January, February. Those, yeah. those were those were the those were the ones more. we were chasing. We were chasing those comps <laughs> from those those yeah. early sales in January, February. So I don't think we're gonna see craziness, but I do think it'll pick up. And I feel like Greg's been talking about this a lot. Like the people that are listed now, not selling, they're probably gonna get their price in two, three months. I don't think there's gonna be a crazy takeoff. Maybe a bit, but it's not gonna be like it was the years before forward December and then February itself for a hundred grand more than it did the December. So that's my prediction. Okay. I'm going to be a little bit more, what's the, what's the word I'm bullish, for? bullish on, the, on the market like optimistic. <laughs> so I think like last spring, like going this past spring, I thought was going to be not as busy as it was. And it was pretty insane. Like for me, it started pretty much in March and ran all the way through summer and then slowed down a little bit in the fall. And then obviously going into Christmas, it slowed down a lot, but I think, with now the anticipation and the federal bank in the US also saying that they're gonna be cutting rates next year. I think that's gonna create a lot of confidence in the market. And I think a lot of the people that are not listing now are gonna be selling in the spring. And I think people are gonna start getting FOMO again. And I think we're gonna have a really busy spring market. And I think the prices are gonna probably jump up probably like five to 10% in the springtime. I think, I'm not sure where, where, where I think prices will go. I definitely think like, I'm bullish on transaction volume increasing and, and confidence returning. I think, I think you know we right right now a lot of the inventory that's on the market. I mean, again, it is December, almost Christmas, right? So people are pulling them off. Maybe you're listing in the spring, but I see a lot of estate sales. I see a lot of people that have to sell right now in the market. That's why they'd be on the market right now. That's why they would list tomorrow, kind of thing, right? Because they kind of have to. But I, I think a return to confidence and transaction volume. You know, I don't know if I see a big jump in prices just yet, but I think just you know that that fact that people will start to transact in real estate again, I think is, is going to be a, a, you know, a big win for our industry. And, and I think it hopefully gets a lot of, you know, Canadians into homes as well. I think, I think the latter half of this year from every, every from looking at it from the finance side, which, it, which is dr drives the transactional side, I think we'll start to see rates come down quickly in the latter half of the year. It won't be so much over the winter and into the, and into the spring, but that may june like that june announcement we'll we'll see if we're not before and a drop then and will be a very quick drop and i think as we lead into that just as we're already seeing now in a lot of articles from financial post and the globe and bloomberg and bnn are positive of bank canada tip macklem saying we're we're done with rate that we're that he's saying even last week at a, at a conference in at the uh, toronto club was that they're gonna start dropping in 2024. So right now it's all been negative in the news about rates, everything's psychological from a rate perspective, like we talked about earlier. So as the news cycle changes and, and right now there hasn't been news of the big six dropping their fixed rates, which mm -hmm. they have been, they've been doing it quietly. But once the general public starts to see in news headlines of rates coming down, will drive buyer confidence. And I think that fall market and, and through the rest of the year, I think kind of that April onwards is going to pick up extremely quickly. Everyone that's on this has just been pent up demand, people renting, 
again, we talk about it all the time, but immigration hasn't slowed down. It's not slowing down either. These people need to move somewhere and they're coming in with very well-paying jobs, professionals, you know, all like, you know, people there, that's not your typical new to Canada, you know, mm-hmm. individual that you kind of think about in years past. It's doctors, it's accountants, it's, you know, engineers, the high tech, and they're coming in as well with, with, with big sums of money. And so I think we're going to see that latter half of the year with as rates come down, people that were looking at ups, upsizing are waiting. Like they're, you know, like you said earlier, they should be doing it now. Mm-hmm. They're not going to. They're going to wait for things to pick up. And I think that we're going to see uh, a very busy market. I I don't know what price point percentage increase, but I think it's going to be uh, a very hectic, like, latter half of the year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with Olivia. We'll just uh, leave it at that. No, no. (laughs) I I think I agree. I think rates, as we see them come down, I think it's going to be, there's going to be some some timidness at first, just so people, as I think Luca, you said, like waiting to see that it's actually a stable market. But I think with the last three rate announcements, holding rates, I think with fixed rates coming down, I think, as you said, more positive news coming out. There's more listings. There's more options. It kind of gets people excited. And we see it every year. Like, over the holidays, people are with family. They're planning for 2024. What's our goal for this year? What, you know, New Year's resolutions. Everyone hits the ground running in 2020, like, early in the year, it seems. January, February, the last couple of years have always been some of the busiest months. Just with, the, you know, they usually close in April or May, but they're usually buying, out buying in January, February. So I think we're going to do something very similar. And I don't know what the end of the year is going to look like, but I think that downhill kind of pace of the market is going to cause a lot of people to kind of have that FOMO and be like, okay, we need to get in or this is going to run away. Like it's going to run away from us again. Whether or not it does, I don't think really matters. I think it's all, it's going to be like a self-fulfilling prophecy where people are like, we're going to miss out. Then they have to get in and then that's going to like fast forward the market even further. And then if rates come down, like it could just be that perfect storm, as I said, where this next four months is kind of the unknown. We're all kind of unsure. But if we have this conversation again in April and the market's on fire and we're like, well, we told people they should have bought, like it's too late at that point. So like this is like when it's quiet like this, when the store, when it's the kind of the quiet before the storm, at least that's the way I'm seeing it. And we've seen it over the last, like, you know, I've been a broker now over 10 years and we've seen these cycles come up and down where anytime there's this calmness, that pent up need is going to go somewhere. It doesn't just vanish. Like it just gets fast forwarded or, or, you know, move forward, bumped forward to the following year or the following year after that. So it still, the, the demand is still there. It's just a matter of where does it show itself, right? Like, is it going to show itself in January? Is it going to show itself in July? It's there. It's a matter of when. And I think with the way the market is heading, we're going to see a perfect storm in that June, July space where rates are lower, people are confident in the market and supply is low and it's just going to explode. That's my opinion. I don't want to give percentages because I was very far off this year. In January, I'm like, oh, it's going to be 20,000 transactions. I think I said 5 to 7% increase in value, which is actually fairly accurate, but my transactions were way off. I think like in January, I'm like, oh, I'm killing it. I'm going to hit the nail on the head. And then I'm like 8,000 short, I think, on the transactions. But price I, price point was accurate. I, I think renewals will really help too, right? Because I, I think some of the stat you guys might be able to verify is just roughly speaking, like 75% of mortgages are sub 3%, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got all these, this, the, and a lot of the, the, the terms and conditions of these really low interest rates were like a lack of mobility, a lack of portability, a lack of things like that. So once you see these people come out for renewals and now all of a sudden you're staring down the barrel like 5%, 6%, like everybody else, now all of a sudden you can move for the sake of it, right? Because the thing is you're, you're losing that, that mobility you know, whether it's laterally or up or, or down or side, because, you know, why would you upset the apple cart? Why would you take on a new blended rate that's going to be higher when you have, you know, till 2025 or 2024 to do anything? So I think once there's an equality of what everyone's paying right now, because like, you know, mm-hmm. anyone new obviously is paying 
five to six percent. Anyone old is you know Gucci one point one point six, right? So there's a big there's a big dichotomy between current and new. But once we level that playing field, because you know to your point, pent up demand. That, those are people that aren't in right now. They're on the sidelines, waiting to get in, waiting to take on one of these new mortgages. We have all these people that you know maybe would want to move, like the FOMO that Luca mentioned earlier. That once there's a balance, you know, once you move and it's going to cost you the same, you'll start seeing that that you know size up, size side down, you know, all those different things. So I think that'll be a big thing too. Is once we see some equality across the spectrum of of mortgage holders. Yeah. Well, should we take a siesta? A break? <laughs> we're gonna take a five minute nap and yeah, we're gonna we're gonna reload little uh, bio break and uh, we got a few more guests that we're gonna bring on. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. And thank you to you three. I'm not sure who's staying or going, but if any of you leave, awesome <laughs> having you here. And if you stay, welcome back. Uh, Did you want yeah, to do the, uh, your little gift pass? Oh, yeah, let's do the gift open. Let's do the gift open. Oh, right here, under your chairs. All right. Under the chairs. Um, you get a car, you get a car. Um, I'll just one up oh. here to the camera so everyone sees. Oh. Do you want to let us oh. know what we got here, Tom? Well, okay, so, so, so pop open. So on the inside, I'll open the card after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so inside is uh, coffee from our roaster. So we use Mighty Valley in our in our coffee shop. So Kevin's Coffee Shop. Yes, we. One twenty two Bridge Street Foundry Coffee Bar. So then upstairs we have the Foundry Collective. Cold in space. You are a fool in the rain. So they're all song titles. And awesome. yeah, there's single origin coffees, direct trade. So you know there's fair trade, which is you know good, but direct trade is a little bit better. Puts a little bit more money in the producer's pocket, so it cuts out kind of some of the middlemen that kind of exist in the fair trade world. And Jared's our roaster. He's absolutely phenomenal. He actually works for us as barista as well. He's amazing. Jared is the Jared bomb. Is Jared was his fault. He has so much swagger. He plays basketball, and he's yeah. He, yeah, he used to coach my son basketball. Like hilarious. I ran into him at Foundry. I'm like, what are you doing here? He's like, hi, oh, dude. Yeah, I'm also a coffee guy. I'm like, wow. All right. He's amazing. We're really proud of the coffee. And then yeah, we got some of the dad hats. That looks great. Like Luca, you shouldn't be covering up that hair ever. No, but no, but no, if no, you're no, yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Looks great. So yeah, thanks for having us on. I was really excited about this. Thank and you very much. Yeah, thanks to producer Steven as well. All right, we'll be back. Give us five minutes. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please remember to like, share, comment, and subscribe because we'd really like that. 